What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, gotta tell you about our friends over at Gabby Insurance because we're all looking for ways to save money. And Gabby Insurance not only helps you save money, but they help you do it in a five or 10 minute process. Guys, I jumped on Gabby Insurance going through the process of looking for car and home insurance. Literally only took me five to 10 minutes to go through all of their steps. You just need information off the top of your head, which I was a big fan of. And it takes you maybe seven steps of just quick entering information. And then they give you quotes from so many different companies, progression, progressive nationwide travelers. Uh, they have over 40 of the top insurance providers that they compare the rates of and give it straight to you. And guys, the rates were super competitive just in those five or 10 minutes. And so worst case, you spend five or 10 minutes. Best case, you can save hundreds of dollars a year on their insurance rates that they're offering from all different companies. So make sure to check them out and you're probably overpaying on your car and home insurance. See how much Gabby can save you. It's totally free to check and there's no obligation. Go to gabby.com slash DNVR. That's Gabby, G-A-B-I.com slash DNVR. Remember, they do not sell your info. You will not get blown up with insurance calls after checking Gabby out. And I have not got a single call or email from any insurance company since signing up. It's it that itself is super comforting to me. One more time, head to gabby.com slash DNVR, G-A-B-I.com slash DNVR and see how much you can save. Make sure to get that slash DNVR there to give us some credit. All right, Mace, let's hop into the show. NVR Broncos podcast on this terrific Thursday in the Mile High City. One last day of sun before the snowpocalypse hits us. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my man, Andrew Mason. And before we hop into the show, got to tell you guys about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. You can do both at MSU Denver. It's the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs, and some of our own DNVR members have taken classes over at MSU Denver, and they say the professors not only do a great job bringing the real world into the classroom, but building the schedule around your life. So make sure to check them out, whether you just want to take one class or you want to graduate. That's MSU Denver Online. My boy, Mace, what's shaking today? Hey, it's March 11th. It's the one-year anniversary of the day the world changed. Yep, it certainly is when I mean, everything, including the sports world, shut down. Well, really, and the sports world was uh, sort of on the leading edge of it because mm -hmm. in those couple of hours in the evening, it was a Wednesday evening, 
when the dominoes just fell fast and furious. And of course the nuggets were playing uh, the Mavericks at that time. Uh, really the, the moment that sort of started everything rolling was uh, when Rudy Gobert had that positive test. And uh, then you started seeing uh, cancellations left and right. You saw uh, within the next 24 hours, baseball came to a halt. Um, spring, uh, the NCAA tournament was canceled. Uh, you know, the NFL was pivoting to a virtual off season. It was, you know, pro days were, were being canceled and everyone was coming home. I mean, it just, you think it how of how what kind of dizzying pace everything happened. I think a lot of us remember where we were when we heard certain things like, you know, uh, you know, being declared a global, you know national emergency and all all that sort of thing. And uh, here we are a year later. We're still looking at another altered off season because of the pandemic, although there the NFL has kind of figured out at least how to have pro days with some people uh in person there was no combine there still uh is no plan is no formal plan for otas and then on, on the sports world we uh get word this morning that perhaps the most famous college basketball program duke had to pull out of its conference tournament because of a positive COVID test so uh even though things are looking brighter, I think we can probably see the light at the end of the tunnel with, with vaccinations uh, continuing to be distributed fast and furious. We're still not out of the woods quite yet on this in terms of dealing uh, with all the fallout from COVID-19. And so it's just interesting that uh, the Duke news comes on the one-year anniversary when all this was going down. Yeah, it really is, Maze. Excellent points there. And like you said, it's still not over uh, affecting us, affecting every one of our listeners on a daily basis, and affecting the sports world. Uh, like you said, in, in fact, Duke, just today that happens. And also, like you said, with the Broncos and the NFL, we're still going to be dealing with a very altered offseason, which we know, unfortunately, Mace, affects the Broncos more than maybe any other team in the league or right up there with any other team in the league because of their young offense uh, and just how much the coaches and players said that that was going to impact or how much it impacted them last year. And it's still the same group of guys this year. Uh, so we have to imagine it's going to have a significant impact as well but mace there is some very good news out here in broncos country this morning the kansas city chiefs release both of their starting offensive tackles eric fisher the former number one overall pick and mitchell schwartz have been released this is my question to you mace is this the start of the chiefs fall from grace well, it's funny, like we're talking about these cuts and this is another thing that's still affected by the pandemic. Right. Because the salary cap went from 198.2 million last year to 182.5 million this year. I mean, it's, you know, you look on the history, on the history of the salary cap and it has gone up every single year until this one. And so dropping by, uh, by $15.7 million and the chiefs saved nearly $18 million by cutting Schwartz and Fisher. And, you know, certainly Schwartz missed a good portion of, la of, of last year or with injury and uh, Eric Fisher ruptured his Achilles in the end. But uh, with Fisher in particular, you wonder if this would be happening if, th if things had been normal, because the odds are 
Zach, the cap would have gone up. Usually it goes up about $10 million in the last uh, se- several years. It is, in fact, the cap increases over the years were $10 million in 20, for 2014, $10.28 million in 2015, just under $12 million in 2016, and on and on and on. And so you would be looking at a $208, million, $209 million cap in normal circumstances, and instead it's one hundred eighty-two point five. So, I mean, really, I mean, if you're the Broncos, yeah, you're kind of saying, wow, that's great. They're getting rid of their tackles. But this is just another way in which in which COVID is affecting everybody. So maybe the Broncos aren't the most affected team by COVID if they can't have offseason work. Maybe we're talking about the actual construction of a roster like Kansas City's. Now, they have Lucas Niang, a young guy in the wings who's going to take over one tackle spot. But, uh, I mean – they can't really think about putting Mike Remmers back out there <laughs> at tackle in 2021, can they? I mean, no. he's he's a turnstile. Yes, I'm, no, you can't do yeah. that. Maybe. I have to imagine they have the young guy in the in the wings right there for one of the spots. I have to imagine the other spot is that 31st overall pick, right? I mean, it's it's Patrick Mahomes that you're protecting. It's a guy with sixty million dollars in dead cap this year that you're protecting. That's worth the first round pick after you cut a former number one overall pick. Exactly. Um, it's it's you know. Remember last year, we all knew the Chiefs were taking a running back, right? Right. Yeah. So even though they're sitting at the bottom of the first round, I think we all know what direction they're going in, unless they figure they can get a cheaper answer on the market. Okay? and maybe. Part of this is they're looking at Schwartz and uh, and missing time last year, and uh, and and there and of course Mitchell Schwartz is uh, getting uh, is clearly on the downside of his career. Career he's had a very good career uh, and has has played at a at a Pro Bowl uh, slash All Pro level. But Mitchell Schwartz is going to turn 32 years old in June. Yeah. And would be going into his tenth year this year, and did and did battle injuries last season that uh, that cost him uh, most of the season. Eric Fisher coming off the Achilles, he just turned thirty, so it's a roll of the dice by the Chiefs. It may result in certainly some short term pain, but maybe this is just part of uh, the the reshuffling of the deck that they're going to have to do in order to accommodate. Patrick Mahomes' contract over the next over the next few years. And uh, and that means there are going to be spots every year where the Chiefs may be a little weaker because they're getting rid of a proven veteran. They're going with uh, with young guys. It's just interesting that they would do both tackles at the same time. But I think uh, injury is playing a part in that. The other thing that comes into play is are the Chiefs thinking maybe we can get a, a replacement not only in the draft, but uh, – get somebody on a one-year contract who would take the low market value mm. to play on a team with Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, et cetera. That's, that's a great point, Mason. That's a scary <laughs> idea for the Broncos. And, I mean, when, when you think about the potential super teams that, that we've talked about over the last couple months, Mace, when you think of them, what are the two destinations that come to mind right away? For me, it's the Kansas City Chiefs, and it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's the two teams that were in the Super Bowl that have very good quarterbacks. They didn't get there. Uh, it wasn't a fluke that they got there. So that's a great point. But, Mace, in order for, for the Chiefs to sign anyone else, in fact, in order for them to even get 
uh, under the salary cap, they still have to cut $4 million just to get under the salary cap by the start of the new league year. So we're going to see more subtractions from them before we see any more additions. But it, you're right, Mace. I, I think that this can absolutely be the start Um not necessarily of the Chiefs decline, but this is where we're really starting to see not only COVID, but the Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. and, and the other star players. Last year, we're thinking, okay, the Chiefs are going to lose a lot of players. And they didn't. They kept all of their good players. And Mace, here's why they have to make these moves. The Broncos have one player this year that has a salary cap uh, hit of $14 million or more. That player is Von Miller, Mace. He may not be on this team. So the Broncos, if they move on from Von Miller, they will have zero players with the salary cap hit over $14 million. The Chiefs, on the other hand, have not one, not two, mm-hmm. not three, not four, but five players over a $14 million salary cap hit. So they have really loaded the front end of their roster with a ton of talent. I mean, those guys are all great. We're talking about Frank Clark, Patrick Mahomes, Chris Jones, Tyron Matthew, and Tyreek Hill. Those are, those are players that every team wants, but then what we see Mace is not just depth be compromised. Like we saw in the super bowl for the chiefs where their depth was compromised on the offensive line, specifically at those tackle spots. But then we see that they have to let go of other good players, such as Mitchell Schwartz and, and Eric Fisher. Yeah, and you mentioned that they're not done. Um, so you're saying, okay, well, what kind of work do they have to do? What kind of restructuring can they do? Um, you know, is Tyron Matthew next, at least for a restructure? Because his yeah. cap figure is $19.73 million. Now, if they cut him, they would save $14.8 So effectively, they could basically get what they need and then some right then and there. But can't see them cutting the honey badger. You can't see them cutting Tyree Kill, who would have 10.5 million of cap savings and 5.3 million of dead money if they if they let him go. And uh there's and they're stuck with some of the others, like like Pat now Patrick Mahomes, they would actually not that they would cut Patrick <laughs> Mahomes, but um that would create a, a monstrous uh, a dead money figure if they did. By the way, the other thing that comes into play. Mahomes' big numbers are down the line, and by then there probably will be a, a restructure because his price tag continues to go up. But Mahomes' cap figure, Zach, went up by nearly $19.5 million this year. And then Frank, Frank Clark's cap figure goes up by $6.5 million from last year to this year. Chris Jones's cap figure goes up by by just by a $6,874,000. And so you just, you look right there at the, at those three, at those three contracts and you're, and basically you're going, you're going up by, by about 30, by, by, uh, by about $32 million, 31, $32 million. I'm just doing the mental math in my head uh, from last year. And, and now you're, you had to make this move to save $18 million. I mean, this is the way it was structured, but the chiefs didn't, you know, nobody planned for COVID. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, you know, don't, don't get, you know, I don't think anyone deserves credit for, uh, for saying, Oh, well, they're in good cap shape right now. <laughs> right, uh, right. They must've known nobody planned for, for COVID. No. Here, okay. This isn't a, this isn't a black eye on the chiefs that this happened. 
the, the, the basically it was just sort of it was the, the unpredictable, the one the unimaginable, the one thing uh, that no one could have thought of that people not being able to go to games in huge numbers transpired and that's why and that's why the chiefs are sitting here it's not that they that they mess things up this is just i mean it's sort of like you it's an act of god almost if you if that uh, you would see it sometimes thrown about in legal terms so you know it's 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 good for it, it's one of those things where it's like it's is it good for the broncos absolutely they're sitting here right now with the best offensive line in the afc west Ooh. and a line that should be better than it was last year much better Oof. Uh, when was the last time you thought you when was the last time you said that i would have probably said that uh uh in around 2013 and 2014 and you'd probably have to go back even probably specifically go back to uh 2013 even though uh they lost ryan clady two weeks into that season uh chris clark played well in ryan clady's stead that year orlando franklin became the first all pro guard in Broncos history. And then you had, you had, uh, you had good, good work at center from Manny Ramirez up until the snap in the Super Bowl. Orlando Franklin uh, had, had a great year and uh, Zane Beatles had a really good year. You've got to probably go back to that. And I, I put that line ahead of 2014's line because 2014, they, uh, that that was when they started kind of uh, moving moving some things around. Of course, uh, Zane Be- Beatles left in free agency. Orlando Franklin uh, gets kicked inside, and that's where the revolving door at right tackle began. Was in 2014. They even had to move Lou Vasquez out to right tackle for the second half of that season. So you got to go back to 2013, the the year in which the offense as a collective uh, was arguably the best in NFL history. And the offensive line was a huge part of that. Remember, remember the big deal when Chris Clark goes in against the Chiefs and allows no sacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the story, the story of the the story of the game on Sunday Night Football and the Broncos win. And of course, the offensive line, as well as they played that year, they didn't really do a lot of talking to the media. And I remember uh, one of the PR staffers kind of uh, telling Chris Clark, like, you know, you're the story of this game. You're going to have to talk. <laughs> and all the and all the media was the the horde was gathered i mean we all we all knew what the story was that night it was it was chris clark playing the game of his life uh when it mattered so much but uh you have to go back to then i'm sorry i i detoured here but i have such warm memories of that team in that year i think everybody does <laughs> yes we all um, do that's for but, sure but that's where you have to go to, to the last time the broncos had an offensive line that was the best in the west and uh could this offensive line be as good as that one? Well, depends on a couple of things or three things. I would say it depends on Dalton Reisner kind of getting back on track. It, it wasn't a season uh, that met, I think the standards that Dalton had for himself last year. Lloyd Cushenberry has to continue the progress that he made the second half of the season. Uh, Vic Fangio has talked about how Cushenberry is the most imp- improved young player on the team last year. Mm-hmm. And certainly he showed, he showed signs. He showed flashes, look much more comfortable diagnosing things pre-snap uh, than he was, than he was early in the season. And then of course, Jawan James, Jawan James has got to stay healthy. Look, his career has shown when he's healthy, he's one of the better right tackles in the league. Yep. And yeah. he's got to stay healthy. 
Yeah, and I mean, the Broncos absolutely should have the best offensive line in the NFL now because Eric Schwartz what was NFL. a good— NFL, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> a- AFC, I'm, because what the that Chiefs— was a hot, That was a hot take. You should have written that. You like— I mean, they, they, they could be close to the best in the NFL, Ooh. too, because let's look at the investment that they have, Mace. They have a $17 million left tackle. They have a, what, $13 million right tackle. They have an $11 million right guard. They have a second-round left guard, and they have a third-round center. When you look at all of that, guard is one of the posi- guard and center are one of the, the, the most devalued positions in the draft. So you can get really good players in the second and third. Using a second round pick on a guard is a very, very impressive uh, investment there. So that's a big thing, right? That, that, that's almost like using a first round pick on a tackle. Uh, so you you could convince Which yourself. Which is why you expect, you expect a lot from Reisner for that exactly. reason. Exactly. But now the question, so the investment is there. John Elway said, I'm going to invest in this offensive line. And he certainly did that. But now there's questions pretty much with every single person. I think you're naive to say, that you know okay is Garrett Bowles the guy that he was last year is he close to the guy he was the first year three years of his career I still have that question now I'm very confident that he's the guy of last year but you can't just say that there's no questions about that so he needs to live up to that and if he does fantastic left tackle for you is Dalton Reisner just like you said Mace is he going to take a step up after kind of a rough second year which he can do uh, but which one is he is he closer to his first year where he was definitely trending up or closer to last year where he definitely leveled off uh, Lloyd Cushenberry, does he continue to take steps? Because he he's not there yet. He needs to continue to take steps. Graham Glasgow, does he live up to that $11 million or is he closer to, you know, a $7 million guard like he was kind of last year? And then obviously the biggest question is, is it right tackle, Mace? If Juwan James plays, well, he, he's going to be good. Uh, and maybe he can be great there. If not, what are you doing at tackle? Because Elijah Wilkinson, free agent. Damar Dotson, free agent. Is it Calvin Anderson? Because it, I, I like his potential, but is he ready right now? It's a good question. And, uh, I mean, I, I, I think if you're the Broncos, you uh, even though you're not bringing back Damar Dotson right away, I think you keep him on speed dial. And oh, Absolutely. If and it's it's very possible that Demar Dotson sits on the market unclaimed, unsigned, uh, for for months like he did last year, and, and sometimes you see veterans like that that will uh, sign that contract relatively late in the offseason process. And so if Dotson uh, stays on the market, you get you keep that number available because at the first moment of trouble, assuming Dotson is has remained in football shape and and doesn't do the quick weight loss thing like a lot of offensive linemen do uh, when they're getting ready to retire uh then you you kind of have him in the back of your mind saying all right we need a, a right tackle if Calvin Anderson isn't coming along as a backup if we didn't resign Elijah Wilkinson and then we call tomorrow and we bring him in because we know at least in pass pro he's a plus player he doesn't have the bend uh isn't good when he's getting outside in, in the screen game you accept the limitations but he's still a good pass protecting right tackle so he's still most of what you want even at that point is at that point in his career and he's a good locker room guy too so you know, I'm, it, the Broncos, though, the interesting thing is if they really wanted to kind of ensure themselves on that, they could just they could obviously resign DeMar Dotson right now. But uh, I think they're just going to kind of wait and, and he and 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 know that guy, a lot of guys like him usually sit on the market for a long time. Remember in 2015 when 
Ryan Clady tours ACL in OTAs, Ryan Harris was still sitting there on the market. Mm, and yep. it took what about 24 hours before Ryan Harris was under contract and on the field. Right. And that's just, and, and that's an example of how those vet, those aging tackles or aging offensive linemen in general uh, that can have like one more year left in them tend to linger. Evan Mathis, same thing in 2015. And, and this year with the wallets being closed by a, a lot of teams, or at least a, scrupulously judiciously open i think we're going to see more of those types of guys linger on the market so uh you just kind of have to trust it a little bit and uh and and kind of trust the process and and be patient and maybe that insurance policy at tackle if calvin anderson doesn't develop and if Jawan james is hurt again maybe that guy is not on the roster until july or august the guy to get you through a year. The other possibility is, of course, if they draft a, a tackle of the future in round three or round four, very possible they might do that. And then if that guy gets pressed into service, you see what the, he can do. That said, I, I'm honestly, Zach, I'm confident in Calvin Anderson. I'm confident that he can at least develop into a swing tackle and maybe be a, and maybe be a, a swing tackle who holds his own more than Elijah Wilkinson did i mean wilkinson much better at guard than at tackle right yeah yeah no I, absolutely and macy yeah i i don't think there's any reason to be skeptical of on calvin anderson as a prospect but mike munchak has to know if he's a prospect that still needs some time uh and yeah. is more his ceiling is more of a you know a backup swing tackle or if he can be a legit right tackle and hey with what Mike Munchak has done over his career and especially here in Denver with Garrett Bowles I trust in him uh, and that would be great to not have to have another huge investment on the offensive line because the money's there 11 million in Graham Glasgow 17 million in Garrett Bowles 13 million uh, in Juwan James the only guys you're not paying are the guys on rookie contracts so it would be huge to not have to have another big investment at right tackle but you do need a backup plan there and maybe it is already on your roster and Calvin mm -hmm. Anderson Mace how about this what if the Broncos traded back from 9 to 18 picked up a first round pick because the team was the, the the Reds or the Washington football team they were desperate to trade up to, to 9 for a quarterback so you get a first round pick then the Broncos go from let's say 18 to 26 for a, a team that really likes a player there. The Broncos pick up another second round pick. So the Broncos have a first, an additional first round pick, an additional second round pick. And then let's say they grab the tackle the Chiefs were going to draft in the end of the first and just bring this thing full circle. Well, if they do that, um, do you just go ahead and rip the Band-Aid off on Juwan James right then and there? Gosh, you, you may have to at that point. Just say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna take the hit, we're gonna absorb it this year, and we're gonna move on. Maybe you trade him. Maybe you trade him to the Chiefs. Yeah, you but to trade. Yeah, oh, you trade Juwan James. Too expensive. They, they wouldn't. A, they wouldn't want him. B. Uh, the Juwan James trade with that contract is probably sending a draft pick with Juwan James, yeah. uh, and then you get back, you know probably a seventh round pick. My guess is if you, if, if you were making that type of deal, you get a, a, a bag of tees and a couple of footballs and maybe a set of shoulder pads <laughs> to throw in. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's sort of going, it's may look a little bit like a lesser version of the uh, Brock Osweiler trade of 2017 between the Texans and Browns where literally the Browns 
got a second round pick for the trouble of taking the, con- the contract off of Houston's hands. But yeah, uh, one reason why in free agency, I think you're going to see the Broncos kind of make sure that they that they're covered at, at, every, at every spot is because they do want to have maximum flexibility in the draft. They want to have the flexibility to, to trade down uh, if, if the circumstances warrant. Heck, Zach, even have the flexibility to, pit, to make a selection at a position that isn't an overt need. But if somebody drops unexpectedly, being able to react to that would help them. And that's why I think kind of the, the theme of free agency here and uh, I talked a little bit about this on KOA on Wednesday night with uh, our friends Benjamin Albright and Ryan Edwards is going to be making sure that you, you're you covered in terms of a lineup that you can go with heading into week one. And so not maybe not spending all of your pre-agent money in, in one place and then saying, all right, we go – we don't have to pick a corner in the draft. Like I, I think the Broncos could sign two corners, one clear starter, and then one kind of prove it guy who's working his way back up. And then you throw him in there with Bryce Callahan and Michael OJ Moody. If the Broncos do that, then they're not locked into picking Farley or Sertan. Uh, And then if they, if they can hang on to, maybe they hang on to Kareem Jackson. If they don't, then you know what? You just, you can re-sign Will Parks. If they don't uh, bring back Von Miller, maybe it's a, a, a Leonard Floyd on a on a one year ten million dollar type of deal uh, who played for Vic Fangio in Chicago for three years. So I mean, there are things the Broncos can do that can allow them to maybe s- be able to sit back at the end of this month, say, "Hey, we've got a lineup we can roll with here. We could do anything in this draft. We could go if, if a quarterback we love." unexpectedly falls to nine we could pick him we could trade down and we can trade down again we can pick a tap we could we could pick a tackle in the first round we could pick a running back in the first round keep everybody guessing keep us guessing most of all and then you know just uh, that's what you that's the position you want to be in because you keep you keep the world guessing and then uh, you give the impression to other teams that you could do anything and that helps your hand in draft trade negotiations to maximize that value because you're sitting there at nine and uh you're, you're playing the, there's a there's only one quarterback left and uh you filled all your other needs and uh, you may say you, you may go into a negotiation with the patriots or somebody that is feeling the extra trade up and they say hey and you know and say all right we're gonna we're gonna pick mac jones well zach you'd be thrilled about that <laughs> and then uh, somebody and then bill checks says, no 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 wait 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 okay we're gonna make a deal and we'll give we'll give you that not only that one in 2022 we'll give you a two as well how about that and all of a sudden you're, you're raking in the capital you're you're making deals and you're maximizing what you're getting out of it and uh and so and, and so yeah the the part of all that is I wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos went for a tackle in round one, if they traded down a little bit. Now the question is then which tackle makes sense. I mean, you talk, you might be talking about uh, uh, maybe someone switching from like from right tackle to left tackle. Are you, um, are you trading down to where maybe uh, you're looking in the the Christian Darisol discussion out of Virginia tech, if he ends up dropping into uh, in, into the late part of the first round. I mean, there's, there there are going to be, there are going to be some some options there if the Broncos want to go, go tackle you got the kid out of sc uh, uh vera tucker who could be in play as well so yeah a lot of possibilities here it's fun it is fun sorry and i went boy, on, i went on a tangent no, there but no, i i get it. kind of i get kind of excited about this i can't help it because i get excited about george payton being able to sit there and have 
nobody know what direction he's going in, but having a lot of directions make sense and having maximum flexibility to where in this draft, where there are so many question marks because of what we lost again, back to COVID, back to having seasons truncated, some guys opting out, uh, the FCS guys literally not playing until now for the most part. It is a low, it is a and no combine in person and not, and no shrine game. Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network kind of pointed out this week uh, something that those of us who go down the shrine game know. You always come back from the shrine game with four or five guys in your mind that shot up. And, you know, Justin Simmons was a shrine game guy that, that shot up that year in, uh, when he was in there in, back in 2016. So we, ha- we, ha- we are in a lower information draft. And so this is the draft where I think you really don't want to be pigeonholed into saying, I have to get a guy at position X. You want to just say, all right, who's the best guy on our board? Boom. We take him. Uh, we'll worry. We'll worry about the fit later. Let's just get, let's just try to get the best guys because that is going to be your best shot to succeed in a low information draft. And speaking of having full flexibility, Mace, you wonder if this makes George Payton and Vic Fangio think again about a decision on Von Miller. Uh, Mm. Because does this make them say, you know, we're going to have a very good pass rush uh, with or without Von because of Bradley Chubb, because of what Malik, Malik Reed did. But holy cow, now can we actually take down the Chiefs? We've lost double digit straight games to them. Is this our opportunity to do it through this pass rush and, and to do it through the AFC West? Is that how we win the AFC West and go through the AFC West is with our pass rush? And obviously having Von is only going to help that. Does this make them say reconsider? Let's say they were on the edge of thinking, okay, we're, we're okay moving on from Von. Does this make them think twice about that? It's only two games with the Chiefs, so I don't think it. I don't think it should. You don't want to. You don't want to overreact to two out of sixteen, or likely two out of seventeen, on the schedule. You have to continue to think big picture here. And every team is also in the in the thought pattern that uh, there we're not out of the revenue hit woods yet because uh, what happened, of course. Last year, you didn't have the same in-person attendance, for, you know, obviously. But you had a lot of people that paid for their season tickets that just said, okay, uh, just credit my account. And those people aren't paying for season tickets this year. Now you're going to get all the other kind of ancillary revenue back, you know, uh, concessions, beer, parking, et cetera. And, and then the people, et cetera. And then the people that uh, said, okay, I want my money back. I'll pay this year. Those people are going to pay, but still that's one thing that kind of, that kind of looms over this is that every decision, unfortunately, because you have to think about uh, having enough money, having enough money here, even though you should be okay on the backside when the TV and streaming contracts come in uh, in the short term, uh, you're going to have to be practical here, knowing that, it will probably not be until next year that you can normalize revenues. So that, that too may be playing a part. And that might, may be why I think the Broncos can get a lot done in free agency. Maybe it's going to be a lot done on one year deals with relatively low guarantees 
not a lot in escrow just because just because uh, the, the cash flow and everything, it's not going to normalize until 2022. Yeah. And Mace, we're talking about a Broncos team. Wow. The Chiefs are still in the red after cutting two great players on their offensive yeah. line. They still have to make more cuts. We're talking about a Broncos team that has already made their cuts. They already made their their moves and moving on from AJ Boye and Jarrell Casey to free up money. And they were never in, in a bad spot like the Chiefs were. Now they're in the top 10, the Broncos are, in cap space with just about $33 million. That's with Vaughn on the team. They, so they, they have money to spend with Vaughn. Say they move on from Vaughn, they'll have over $50 million in cap space. That'll put them in the top five in the NFL, Mace. And then we're talking about bringing all of the, the RFAs back on second round tenders, plus Shelby Harris back, extremely doable. And then you still have a ton of money to spend on the open market. Yeah, this is a question of the cash budget. That's the thing. Right. I mean, it's... I remember hearing this even years ago from Ted from Ted Sundquist kind of taught me the concept of cash over cap in that uh, it's you have the cap number, but uh, the, the cash figure is uh, is what matters. And, uh, you know, I think with the Chiefs, th this is a cap move specifically, but right. we've already seen cash moves made in terms of guys. Uh, who weren't retained like uh, I, I Kenny Galladay for example in Detroit um the with the alliance opting to not bring him back uh, not even franchise not not even franchise tag him I mean that's a that's very much a a cash move more than more than a cap move even though the Lions are one of those teams that's kind of a little bit uh, uh over the cap right now 1.6 million uh, there were some moves that they that they could have made that could have uh, uh, that could have allowed them to easily squeeze in uh, Galladay. So there's, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot in play here, and I would say this: I think the Broncos will spend some money. I don't think they're going to spend every dollar of their cap. I think this is going to be another year where you are talk, and I think it may frustrate some fans, but you may be talking, you'll be talking about what they carry over to 2022. And of course, part of the reason they have so much space this year is because of what they did carry over from 2021, 2020. So because of that, the, the Broncos effectively are looking at a cap of right around 200 million because of the cap, because of the carryover rather than of 182.5. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if once again, Zach, the Broncos do carry 17 or 18 million into 2022 because the cash matters as well making sure you can cover all those contracts and mace from a football standpoint like you said some fans may be very upset with that may think why aren't the broncos going all in and george payton i think from a football standpoint mace it could make sense and the reason is are the broncos competing for super bowls are they are they really even competing for the division this year unfortunately the the answer is no not right now. Now, if they get to Sean Watson, everything changes, of course. But right now, no, that's not their mindset. George Payton's given a six-year contract uh, in order to put his total plan in place. So wouldn't it make more sense that just instead of spending money to spend money this year? Now, of course, not sitting on money that, that you want to spend. I'm not saying that. But let's say you do have $18 million in cap space and there's no one that you really like. You, you could go blow it on two players, $9 million that you don't really like that 
that would just be a way to spend money? Or would it be better to carry that over next year so that you have 18 additional million dollars to spend when you think that you are a competitor personally? I think that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. And uh, what's interesting, of course, is next year is probably when we're when things normalize is probably when we're going to talk about some more long-term deals for guys on the market. Um, and certainly the, the space is going to be there as of right now, Zach, and the Broncos, if they sign some guys to multi-year deals, are going to eat into this. But right now, according to overthecap.com, the Broncos, in terms of their uh, their effective cap space for 2022, ranked fifth. Yeah. Yeah. Behind New England, Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay, and Seattle. Of course, Tampa Bay is going to eat into that once they give Tom Brady his extension. If yeah. Tom Brady just wants to keep going and going and going. But you're sitting there and and – the cap situations for teams uh, look on a league-wide basis are far better than they than they look that they look this year. And so, yes, teams are going to kind of cut it. They're going to cut into that with how much they spend. But it's going to be a market that is more conducive to players getting long-term deals and bigger contracts uh, more so than we're going to see this year. So do you want to make sure that you're covered and that you've got the ammunition to go in when things do normalize again? And that's, I, I, that's something to consider. That's why I think you're probably going to see uh, the Broncos. Some of their deals are going to be kind of one year prove it deals. Like I, I think I would expect that uh, maybe it won't be the number one cornerback, but I would expect that there will be a cornerback coming in that is on a one year type of prove it deal. Like one, you know, it could be a, a you know, Desmond King, Kevin King, should be a woozy. Mm -hmm. One year, five million. I think we'll see some deals like that. Yep, absolutely. I completely agree. Mace, what a what a great day for the Broncos. Great conversation uh, there. And if nerdy you make... conversation, because <laughs> we're throwing out a lot of a lot of numbers here. I hope we didn't lose we it, everybody in the course of that. I apologize. <laughs> but that that's the time of year we're in. We're you know we're in the get out the abacus, get out the spreadsheet kind of year. This is, I mean, this is math season. Exactly. Exactly. You're, try you're trying to you're trying to fit guys under the cap. You're trying to you're trying to make moves. You're trying to figure out. You're trying to fit guys under your cash budget. And you're you know it's a uh, it's like uh, playing Tetris, trying to get all the pieces to fit. Mm -hmm. just right. <laughs> exactly. And let me tell you about the good that our friends over at Manscaped are doing. One man every hour, every day is diagnosed with testicular cancer, and at Manscaped. They are saving balls and trying to help men everywhere. This means not only designing the right tools for the family jewels, but raising awareness for the ball-busting disease, which is the most common form of cancer among men ages 15, 15 to 35. 15 to 35, the most common form of cancer among men. And as part of Manscaped's brand mission, their partnership with the Testicular Cancer Society aims to educate and entertain while spreading a very important message about early detection and screening to protect yourself against men's health and cancer risk. So first and foremost, go get those balls checked. Next, grab a lawnmower 3.0, use the code DNVR to save 20 percent plus free shipping and the proceeds go towards an amazing cause over the over at the testicular cancer society by the performance packages and crop mops today to contribute to the we save balls initiative they have going on over at manscape and every purchase made in the month of march goes towards contributions made toward the testicular cancer society use that code dnvr over at manscape to not only get the right tools for the family jewels but save 20 percent off every purchase and free 
shipping and also help a great cause with the Testicular Cancer Society. Yeah, I love really being able to help out causes like that. That is, that is tremendous. So check that out, of course, at, uh, at, at Manscaped. Make sure you buy from them and know that your, that your purchase in part is going to a really good cause. And you know what? You're also taking care of yourself as well. Another way to take care of yourself, Zach, sometimes you need that jolt in the morning, right? I know I did today. Oh, yeah. And there's no better way to do it than with Strava Craft Coffee, which, by the way, has cranked up the discount that they offer to you, the listener of the DMVR Broncos podcast. Guess what? That magical code DMVR20, it's now DNVR25. So you've got 25, you've got 25% more magic going from 20 to 25%. So yes, check out that magical code DMVR25 at checkout and get 25% off at Strava Craft Coffee. And don't forget, you can get a Strava Craft Coffee subscription that gets you 20% off forever. Yes, for life. You get 20% off. It's not quite wholesale, but it's a really good deal. So make sure you check that out as well. Of course, Strava Craft Coffee, it's CBD infused. You can use that. It'll help with things like chronic headache, joint pains, IBS, and so much more. And hey, you know what? If you want three or four cups a day, no coffee jitters. If you subscribe to Strava Craft Coffee, you can get your coffee every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks. And of course, that subscription gets you 20% off. So if you want the discount today, DMVR25 for 25% off. If you want a discount for life, subscribe to Strava Craft Coffee and get 20% off. Of course, uh, don't forget, you can try it at various places around the area. If you, you want to figure out, hey, do I like Strava Craft Coffee? Uh, and you're in the Denver area, you can check it out at Carbon Cafe and Bar, Drip Denver, Blue Sparrow Coffee, Max Market, and the DNVR Bar offers Strava Craft Coffee. So if you get the chance to go on over to the DMVR bar, check that out and might make you feel better and you might like what you experience. So check it out, Strava Craft Coffee. And remember that magical code DNVR25 for 25% off. Ooh, I love it. That's just what I need to hear today, Zach. All right, Mace, let's hop into the comment section. But before we do, got to tell you guys about how to leave a comment. Go to thednvr.com. At the top of the page, there's a podcast tab. Click on that, and Broncos section will pop up. Click on the Broncos pods, and every single pod we've ever done will pop up there. Click on the top one. It's the most recent one. Then scroll to the bottom, and if you're a member, a comment section will appear that will allow you to comment. We've already got many of those in for today's pod, and that is one of the benefits of joining our family over at the DNVR is you get to comment on this podcast, have every single comment or question you ever leave read on the pod. Also, there's a members only discord. Come hang out in the lounge where you get to talk about, to other diehard fans and us. You get to read our content. If you're a member, you get a free DNVR shirt with an annual membership. You get the DNVR locker weekly member deal uh, every single week. You get the big beer for the price of a small beer at the, the DNVR bar and you get chances to hop on live streams or podcasts with us. Speaking of that, we're going to have another red zone coming at you tomorrow. And on top of that, for the next couple hundred listeners, we are giving away free holistic sticks from holistic wellness. Well, what's a holistic stick? You ask it is, it's a stick that packs 10 milligrams of CBD. And this one is focused on recovery. All you do is pop the top of the stick, pour it in your drink, stir and consume. They're amazing. And they help with recovery. Check out the reviews at holistic 
wellness.com. That's H-O-L-I-S-T-I-K, wellness.com. And if you become a DNVR member, you'll get a free holistic recovery stick with us. And also, if you're over at holisticwellness.com, make sure to use the code DNVR30 for 30% off your first purchase. You'll get that for joining our fam. So we'd love it if you joined our family. Well done, Zach. And uh, speaking of the family, let's get to the comment section. And uh, and that's part, like Zach mentioned, it's one of the perks of being a DMVR member is being able to comment on and hear your questions and comments asked on this podcast. We'll start with our good friend, Count Locula, who says, my comrades, if my partner and I ever actually get wed, I'm asking for Zach to perform the ceremony. Half of it is in, in his Aussie accent. Half in his John Gruden voice. Love the count. <laughs> oh, man. Let me tell you what, man. I'd love that, the count. I'd be honored. Uh, <laughs> well, that your, your John Gruden sounds vaguely like somebody out of The Godfather. Oh, okay. Okay. And that's interesting because uh, we're going to get to a, a comment on that. Maybe that's why it's on my mind. And you know what? Let's just get to that comment right now from Sweetie. He says, hey, Kings, to continue on the accent discussion from yesterday, I think one of the coolest sounding accents. Wait, wait, you said yesterday. You sound like you're saying it in Australian accent. I'm trying to. I'm trying to to do the Australian here. (laughs) (laughs) He says, I think one of the coolest sounding accents in the States is the Italian-American accent. I've recently been watching a lot of mob movies like The Godfather, and now I quote those movies all the time in the accent one of the great lost accents in history oh so mace gosh. there's there's your godfather reference uh, as i yeah. kill you with my australian accent yeah oh my gosh <laughs> like i heard yesterday I'm like what what is that is he really trying to do that again <laughs> oh man i i gotta work on my cockney accent or my yeah my, my liverpoolian accent it's awful it's an no. awful Liverpoolian accent. I don't know. I feel like I I'm right. right there. That's yeah. pretty good, Mace. Well, all right. I'll let other people decide how good it is. I think it's terrible. <laughs> we we may end up be uh, doing doing a full pot in all accents one day. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, there are some people who are going to be screaming if we do that. <laughs> yeah, some people may not tune in. Oh, and some for, people may know. tune in just for the comedy of it. Yeah, cover your ears, people. Or, <laughs> oh my goodness, Hubiak checks in. Unpopular opinion. I'm always fascinated with unpopular opinions. I have a few of them myself, but I don't think we should re-sign Lindsay. He can't catch. He can't block. He can't run up the middle all the time. It's quite the tell to the defense when Phil is in. He can quote only unquote run to the outside why pay someone when he can only do one and a half of the four things he should be doing well it's a great point who hubiak and the reason that i would say that you pay phil for this year and i'm i'm not set on a long-term deal for phil but i just think you should put that three and a half million dollar second round tender because then at that price tag mace you're not asking him and you're not expecting him to do all of those four aspects like hubiak mentioned and and you're absolutely right hubiak that that the broncos that they shouldn't be asking phil to do all four of those things because he can't you're right last year in, in over his career he's proved that he can't do all of those things mace uh, late into the season last year phil had two catches at one point two catches over mm-hmm. the entire season and two drops 
He's not a threat out of the backfield as a receiver. Uh, and last year was supposed to be the year that he proved us wrong. He's not good uh, in the backfield as a pass protector. He can run outside. He can do some things very well. And that's why I think at three and a half million dollars, you don't have to expect a full running back from him. Uh, but but I totally see where you're coming from, Hubiak. And also another point that I'll add to this um, about the Broncos moving on from Phil and why it could make sense. Just another reason why it could make sense this year is because then you lock in that running back of the future this year in the draft. Uh, and then you have a plan just beyond this year because Melvin Gordon's contract runs out after this year. If you sign Phil up, you're probably not drafting a running back day two or putting much priority into that. And that's okay. But then next year, if you don't sign Phil to Phil or Melvin to a long-term deal, then you're SOL. And then you're really put in a tight spot to, to figure out the running back position. Yeah. Now uh, what you rely on in terms of that, if you're, if you're kind of kicking the can down the road is saying, all right, there are running backs every year. And that is one, that is one thing yeah. that the draft does seem to produce some viable runners that you can plug in every year. You don't want to be forced into picking them. And, you know, this is a, this is a good draft class in terms of depth at running back as well. And, you know, to go back to what I mentioned earlier, one of the reasons why you want to have maximum flexibility going into the draft is, Hey, I'd, I'd, I'd like the Broncos to, to be in a position where maybe they're adding one of these running backs and kind of setting themselves uh up for the future in the, in the, in the draft. Now, maybe you're not talking about uh, Najee Harris, who, you know, is, is the alpha of the, of the room right now, but uh, maybe, you know, maybe you'll get one of those two running backs from, uh, from North Carolina who worked so well together. You have, of course, Javante Williams, who I believe uh, um, Dan Jeremiah said is going to be his running back one, not Najee Harris, but a guy who really flashed uh, uh, down at, down at the senior bowl, in, in practice is Michael Carter. You know, he's a s- smaller back, 5'9", about 200 squat. But, he's, you know, he's kind of a, you know, a little bit of a, a quick, light bowling ball. Another guy who, who jumped out, Larry Roundtree, who played with uh, Drew Locke at Mizzou as well and is a really tough, really, really hard-nosed running back and uh, and did a good job of, of you know, of doing that one cut and go that uh, we still don't like to see from Broncos running back. So there are going to be some options there. I love it, Mesa. And I love that you brought your unpopular opinion to us because there's certainly uh, it, it brings up great conversation and you mm-hmm. make a good point as well. Yeah. Next one coming in from Manning's forehead. Just watch this documentary on Frank Cush in a class and or in a class. And it's crazy how Cush is a hero at Arizona State. But in terms of Denver sports, he's the mean a-hole coach who our chosen son Elway didn't want to play for two totally different views of him. But he played such an incredible role in both football teams I support just random thoughts you know I'd like to tell me about this documentary because I think it'd probably be really interesting to watch because of course um there's you know there there's a a lot in like how Frank Cush's time at Arizona State ended of course uh he was suspended and then fired after really a brilliant career day issue uh when um revolving around an incident in which um a punter named Kevin Rutledge claimed that Frank Cush punched him, you know, and you know, imagine how big a deal that would be uh, today. That was a punter on, on his own team. And uh, eventually Cush took a settlement to walk away and then would go on to coach uh, the Baltimore Colts. And uh, the, th- the thing is, it was always interesting, of course, is that, uh, you know, Jack Elway, college coach in high school then a college coach uh 
very well known in Western football when football was really kind of more of a, a regional sport, especially on the college level. And uh, you knew everybody. And, uh, and Jack Elway, uh, coaching college football, did to, to say that he did not have a high opinion of Frank Cush would be to put it mildly. And I think it's, po- it, it's entirely possible that if the Colts had hired anybody else when they replaced Mike McCormack in 1982, other than Frank Cush, that John Elway might have been a Baltimore Colt. And then wow. probably, maybe not, maybe never an Indianapolis Colt because John Elway is a Baltimore Colt. Does Baltimore sell out all its games in 1983? And then Bobber say ends up staying. I mean, you talk about something that really might have changed the history of football. Yeah. And how yeah. the league looks right now. But uh, the Colts did hire Frank Cush. Uh, who, of course, had that alleged incident on his resume. And, uh, you know, Cush had t- ticked a lot of people off in, in football circles over the years. And, uh, and Jack Elway was one of them. And, and, and John was going to, you know, to kind of take his father's, father's advice on that. And uh, John Elway ended up in Denver. I mean, it's just interesting how these things work. Man, it is just how crazy a domino can just trickle down uh-huh. so, so far. Man, great, great random thought that sparked the conversation. Next one from Sound Guy. If we assume Drew's ceiling is good but not elite, shouldn't the Broncos hedge their bets with a rookie quarterback this year? A Bronco, a quarterback the Broncos could fall in love with them at nine. They've already burned up two of Drew's cost-controlled years, Drink. Last season, Locke was a lost-controlled con, lost quarterback. He ensured the Broncos got a good draft pick. Let's not waste it. Why not reload a quarterback now instead of possibly waiting a year or two? This way, we'd save draft capital and have a better chance of finally finding the guy. If we go nine and seven or eight and eight, how much draft capital would it take to get back down to number nine? Ooh, well, well it's kind of like why, what we're talking about. Yeah, you know, yeah. look look at the the late teens. Mace is where mm-hmm. we're talking about Washington, Chicago. If those if those teams want to trade up to nine for a quarterback and they're desperate, well, you're trading a first round pick to do it. Right, and that's why. If you're saying, all right, let's give Drew Locke a year, but we're prepared to go uh, into the Keaton Slovis, Spencer Rattler, De- Desmond Ritter, uh, Sam Howell, or other sweepstakes. I mean, my guy is Howell, as everybody knows. But uh, if they're going into that competition, and if they go eight and eight, nine and seven, like you said, Zach, they're picking in the mid to late teens. And so that's why you would want to have an extra number one first round pick in 2022, start packaging and see if you can move up as far as you need to get for uh, a quarterback. And this is another reason why. Having flexibility is going to be what the Broncos need to do. And so making the moves in free agency to where they've got their lineup, they figure that they figure they can go with and they could do anything when they get to the draft. Don't get yourself in a position where we say we have to get position X or position Y in the draft. Make it so it's wide open. So, you know, let's say, let's say hypothetically, let's say they love Trey Lance. And they love his potential. They feel like that if they give him enough time that he's a superstar in the making, they could be the next Mahomes. If there is a such thing, which there really isn't, but I digress. If they feel that way though, you want to be in position to do it now to, to go ahead and have the ability to make that move now because trading up from nine is a lot easier than trading up from 18. And you, you think back to the 2018 draft and, uh, how you know in they were sitting there at five and even though they didn't think highly uh, highly enough of josh allen to pick him number five in retrospect 
in a quarterback rich draft, four guys in the top 10 and five in the first round, Josh Rosen turned out to be a bust. Uh, Sam Darnold, the jury is out. Um, uh, ba- Baker, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen uh, seem to be doing uh, all right. Lamar Jackson was an MVP, but that's a year in retrospect, Zach, where the Broncos having, having a quarterback need probably should have gone ahead and taking Josh Allen number five. If we're really kind of getting down to it now, whether he would have the same success or not, in Denver, that's another story, but clearly he's got the tools. And sometimes you have to think about your draft position and say, okay, we don't expect to be in this position next year and plan based on that, especially when if you perceive yourself to having a need at the most important position. I mean, you know, the mistake the Broncos made in 2018 was thinking that uh, trying to resuscitate Paxton Lynch and Case Keenum, that that was good enough, and it wasn't. Yep. No, it certainly wasn't. I'm with you sound guy. Personally, I am going quarterback in round one this year, whether it's staying at nine and whoever falls to you, you grab if you love them, or if you really love someone trading up for him, that's what I'm doing because of exactly what you're saying. Sound guy, you're in the best spot and you're not sold. You're anything but sold on your current quarterback. So it's not like you're pushing someone out the door who you really like in order for an upgrade. No, this is a guy that you're certainly not sold on. You already tried to replace him earlier this off season with a big time move. Uh, now why I'm not sold that the Broncos are going to do mm-hmm. this is because George Payton, he's only going to be on the job for three or four months at the time that the draft comes around. He really wants to sit back, see how everything works. And this would be a huge move to do. Now, does it mean that I'm saying he's not going to do it? No, but, but that's the only reason why I think, okay, maybe he waits a year to make a big move at quarterback. Yeah. And, uh, and maybe he's already looking at uh, quarterbacks next year that are projected to be next year's draft. He's planning accordingly and saying, all right, if I like three guys next year, then maybe I'm going to be patient. And, and use this year to accumulate draft capital. And that's, that's something he could be thinking about as well. He would, the Broncos as an organization would be wise. And I, and I think they are to be looking at next year's draft class, almost as much as this year's, because that has to be part of their planning. Yeah. Yeah, it, and it absolutely should be with that position, no doubt, Mace. Next one from some people call me the Space Cowboy. Besides former Broncos, are there any non-Bronco players or, for Mace, non-Bucks you enjoy rooting for? Mm. Well, I mean, honestly, like at this point now, uh, and most, of the, most of the guys that I, that I follow when they move on are, you know, I either covered them or, you know, they played for a team like the Bucks that I really like. Um, but there are a few of them that you bump into kind of and get to know in the combine and the senior bowl process that you kind of, you know, put some invest, emotional investment in and you hope that they, that they really do, that they really do well. Um, you know, there's a, you know, one guy, you know, one guy that comes to mind actually is, uh, and he actually went, the funny thing is he went to the Bucks, but I think I would have pulled for Ali Marpet, whatever team he went to. Mm, after yeah. after seeing him uh, down at the senior bowl um uh foster moreau with the raiders a tight end um one of the most hilarious people i've ever run into like a really dry sense of humor but uh, we had a, had a couple of great conversations the year he was at the senior bowl and i really kept found myself hoping the broncos would take him because he would have been an absolutely phenomenal quote mm. in the locker room <laughs> Uh, you know, again, not everyone kind of gets that dry sense of humor, but it just, yeah. you know, but uh, you know, some, some, some people in life, you just kind of click with and you understand and you kind of understand where they're coming from. And so uh, 
Mason, another yeah. guy from another guy from yeah. the senior bowl, Terry McLaurin. Oh, I, I, as I said in that draft, I was love, I was McLovin some McLaurin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, Draymond Jones is going to be a really good player. He's showing all signs of that, but there's still a part of me that wishes the Broncos had taken Terry McLaurin, even though, even though they have an embarrassment of riches at receiver, but that dude could play and he's, he's smart. Yeah. He's a great teammate, great leader. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. He kind of checked all the boxes as far as not only a player, but a person that you're yeah. looking for. And so I, it, guys like that, you, you pull for, for their entire careers. If you have a, if a kind of good experience with them uh, in the pre-draft process and uh, you end up kind of keeping tabs on them and uh, wishing nothing but the best from there, there's a bunch of guys like that. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, uh, I, I like to cheer for the underdogs, May. So I really pull for the uh, the Alabama graduates that ah! are in the NFL. Um, well, you know, j- just since that's my team, I, I do like pulling for those guys. But the guy that I pull for the most from mm-hmm. Alabama is Derrick Henry. I yeah. knew he, I was pounding the table, not for the Broncos uh, necessarily, but uh, back in that draft, I was pounding the table mm-hmm. for a team to take him in the top 10. And of course he fell to the second round and now it's proven to be a better pick than the top five pick in Ezekiel Elliott. He just has everything. And I just, I love watching him because it's just, he's just such a different running back than we see these days and not just him, but the entire Titans. It, it's kind of fun to watch. Um, other than that, Mace, I, I like pulling for great players. I, I love watching uh, the best when they play well. And of course, saying that I also cheer for anyone playing against Aaron Rodgers. I like Derrick Henry because um, first of all, he would have succeeded in any era. Second of all, he seems to handle it very well, but you're an Alabama fan. And I think uh, that's kind of something that plays into another thing that when we talk about players we pull for is the college connection. I mean, you end up, so, you know, I I went to USF. So I pull, I pull for guys from South Florida. Um, Yeah pull for some guys from, from Mizzou, I follow North Carolina closely, kind of the same thing. So yeah, I'll be pulling for Sam Howell when he gets to the NFL, wherever, wherever he goes, my wife went to Wisconsin and y'all know how I feel about Wisconsin offensive linemen. So I tend to pull for those guys when they, yeah. uh, when they get to the next level a- as well. And uh, I like to kind of look back and, and there's something that for those guys, if when they develop and saying, yeah, I, I remember when I, I could see the greatness in that guy back then, like with Russell Wilson, I remember watching him at NC state and then seeing him at Wisconsin and uh, he, I, and I could kind of see it. You had, you had that moment where everything clicked. And so when Russell Wilson goes on to be a great, to be a great player, you're like, yeah, I, I remember when I was uh, sitting there watching Wisconsin shred Nebraska on a Saturday night in Madison and, uh, and, and coming away from that game thinking this, this kid has got something really special about him. And uh, you know, he won't be a Bronco, but uh, I can dream. He should, <laughs> he should have been a Bronco. That's the thing. He literally is, only, is the only reason he's not a Bronco is because of the skepticism about his height. As right. Jack Del Rio mentioned, Adam Schefter, <laughs> yeah. a couple of years back, Russell Wilson checked off every other box on the Broncos list. Yeah. But they that, were concerned about the height. That is a darn shame. That so, is for sure. I mean, I just find it interesting. That's the deal breaker. I mean, I would. I would have other things as deal breakers, like, you know, if they have leadership ability or, or if they don't have it, I don't want them. Uh, do they have good, you know, work ethic, uh, uh, requisite arm strength, requisite accuracy? No, deal breakers height. <laughs> yeah, it's so maybe, sad. Maybe that'll change. 
Yes, maybe it very well may under George Payton. Next one from Orange Crushing It. In my opinion, coaching has been killing the Broncos for years, and a lot of that is on Elway's hiring and the philosophies that he's brought in. On offense, they have Fant, Judy Hamler, Lindsey Alberto, all guys who are dangerous in space and best suited to get the ball quick and go to work. Yet the screen game was non-existent. And you guys talked at length yesterday about the atrocious use of Lindsey. On defense, Vaughn is being talked about as a guy who should only be paid as a 27th best pass rusher in the league. But there are there really 26 better pass rushers? No. But the reality is that Fangio isn't a or Vaughn isn't a Fangio linebacker, and he can't get 18 sacks if he's in pass pro half the time. Same with Chubb. I've heard it said that Simmons isn't really a Fangio safety, and Alexander Johnson isn't a Fangio linebacker either. Seeing all of this stay the same after watching it flat out not work last year, it's frustrating that the narrative is still that the Broncos are just a quarterback away. Shermer can't use any of the weapons on offense correctly, and I think that goes for Drew as well. And while I think Vaughn deserves top 15 pass rusher money, he needs to be in a defense where he can play his game to earn that kind of salary. I think this team either needs a major change in philosophy and coaching style or a complete roster overhaul to fit the schemes the coaches are trying to force into place before they'll be successful again. Interesting points there. And the thing is, the one danger about kind of being wedded to a system and a philosophy is that you kind of lose some flexibility. It's the old thing about uh, the late Don Shula, the winningest coach in NFL history. Yeah, Don Shula won with a team that was ground and pound and, uh, and, and defense-oriented. That was the no-name defense back in the early 70s. He won with a team. He went to the Super Bowl with a team that had David Woodley as quarterback. That was just that had a pressure defense, what they called the Killer Bees in the early 80s. And they went to another Super Bowl with Dan Marino throwing the ball all over the place. The point being like that, that is coaching to say, okay, what is my talent here and how do I adapt what I'm doing to what they're doing? It's part of what Bill Belichick uh, did so well. And obviously having Tom Brady helped uh, Joe Gibbs won three, three Super Bowls with three different types of quarterbacks with Joe Theismann, Doug Williams, and Mark Griffin. Um, I mean, I get having a system, but part of it is you have to be flexible enough to adapt to what the talent is in front of you and maximize that, you know, for all people get frustrated about with John Fox. It's the one thing he did really well. John Fox and his staff won a division at eight and eight. Yes. But won a division in a playoff game with Tim Tebow because they were willing to adapt what they were doing to his skill set. That's, and to me, that's what that's the best coaches are the ones that, while they have ideas of what they want to do, they are flexible enough to adjust. And you know, when if, if the Bron- like if Pat Shermer insists on going three wide this this season more often than not, I, I would question that because if you have Albert O healthy, Noah Fant healthy, getting those two guys on the field, I think is how you're going to create a lot of mismatches. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's, what's also been really tough is just, you know, the Broncos have gone through multiple defensive schemes in the past five years. They've gone through many different offensive schemes. How do you draft uh, when, when you don't know what you're looking for? Do you draft for this year? Yeah. Do you draft for a potential change at, at offensive coordinator next year? And Mace, that's what also makes it tough for this year's draft and this year's planning is is George Payton set on Vic Fangio? I mean, there, there's no reason that he has to be committed to him uh, for longer than this year. 
if George Payton is wise, and I believe he is very wise, George Payton will draft for talent, for talent, and uh, not necessarily for scheme. Right. Draft the draft the best players, yeah. and then and then figure it out. Now that being said, you know we've seen how not figuring out how to make a guy fit hurts that player. Uh, the Broncos have never really figured out what to do with Demarcus Walker from the yeah. start when they tried to move him to outside linebacker. Yet Demarcus Walker has one very specific premium talent. He is an he is a quick interior rusher who is so, who is who is who reacts so well off the snap in pass rush that he's going to be able to get a jump on most cards he goes against. So mm-hmm. why use that effectively to, to the Broncos credit the last couple of years, DeMarcus Walker has been used situationally more to do just that. And right. he's been a very efficient player, which is why I know you had DeMarcus Walker in your story as a low priority to sign. And I think that's probably the case uh, in terms of how the Broncos feel. I would be thinking about getting DeMarcus Walker back because of that premium skill set and using him properly. Yeah, I mean, last year, Mace, four in four games he started, he had three and a half sacks. Um, that's very good production mm-hmm. right there. And it, by snap, if you if you dive into the pro football focus raw numbers as far as pressures related to number of pass rush snaps, he's one of the better defensive linemen in the NFL in terms of pressure rate. Yep. He does make a difference. Yep. You, you just have to use him, right? Just like we're saying. Next one from Swedish Bronco. I love Zach's Australian accent and no disrespect, but I completely agree that you guys talk slow. I listen to it two times speed and you more or less sound like regular talk. You're definitely chilling in conversations while we're on the topic of listening to audio in two times, especially the old intro, but also the new intro is incredibly crisp at double speed. Try and give it both a masterful at double speed. Mm. Any, any, you know, anytime I get hit with an Australian accent, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Swedish Bronco, man. I'm going to have to listen to, to the new intro and double speed today. What would happen if you actually lived in Australia, Zach, do you think you'd develop a real Australian accent that was actually authentic and didn't get the same and didn't get the, the fusillade of critiques that you're dealing with right now? I hope so. Maybe that's what I need to do. Take a couple of years, master the, the accent and then come back on the pod. Well, Orange and Blue Aussie is here to help you, Zach, because he gets into that. First, he says, hats off to LDJ. His idea of swapping Shaq for Vaughn is the only good idea I've heard in this whole situation. If we release Vaughn and it's Chubb and Malik Reed, we have have a good rush, but who spells them? When Shaq was here, he spelled Vaughn and D-Ware. That's why the rush couldn't be stopped. In that case, Zach, I think they probably re-signed Jerry Atakshu. Yep. To make sure they were covered. Reliable depth. Another fantastic depth piece. Right. Now, for a little Aussie accent training for you boys to up your skill set, LOL. Yanks say Australia just like it's spelled. Australia. Us lazy Aussies say Australia with a hard emphasis on the first A. Not sure how Gruden says it count. So, the Ameri- yeah. uh, Australia. 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 Okay, I like it. Sydney, Australia. <laughs> Melbourne, South Australia. South Australia. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I'm struggling with this. The American and British accents are spoken from the tip of the tongue. Aus is more back of the tongue, and Scots are, Scots are from the back of the throat. Kiwis, well, that's just a mess. LOL. <laughs> maybe the dingo ate your baby. Maybe the, di- maybe, the ding- maybe the dingo ate your baby. Try it that way. This might, might be a ripper of a stick show. Your baby. Oh, not bad. It might be a ripper of a stitch up and a good laugh hearing y'all give this a go. Love your work, mates. 
Uh, and we love Landa. you. <laughs> Landa Wanda. Land down under. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I absolutely love you guys. You always keep it fun and entertaining. Yes. And before we move on, got to tell you about something else I love, and that's our friends over at Green Mountain Dental. We've had several DMDR listeners switch over to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years and make them their permanent family dentistry. And they've reached out to let us know how great their experience was and thanked us for leading them to such a wonderful practice. So if you want to go to such a wonderful practice to get your teeth cleaned well, make sure to check out our friends over at Green Mountain Dental. And of course, they do more than just teeth cleanings. If you have any big work to be done, they are the people to go to. Lindsay and Allie had great experiences with Green Mountain Dental getting their wisdom teeth out. And while the process may have been a little rough in terms of, uh, you know, how their bodies reacted. Green Mountain Dental was there for them the entire time. And that's the family-like atmosphere uh, that they've created over at Green Mountain Dental. And if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. That's all you have to do is schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam to take care of your teeth. And our friends over at Green Mountain Dental will hand over a free Sonicare toothbrush. You're only 15 minute drive from downtown Denver and a long time DNVR partner. They've shown us the love so we'd really appreciate it if you showed them the love because supporting our partners is supporting us so make sure to check them out green mountain dental muted zach why <laughs> why do you do that we would never be able to hear you mace well no but then i realize it and then i unclick mute i just uh, that when you say muted that is fingernails on a chalkboard okay how about there. how about this next time I'll let you go for just 10. wave your just wave your hands okay, and then nobody okay, knows. Okay, there we go. There we go. Now wave I wave your hands in the air like you just don't care. You know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Hassle Cattle Company and they're a partner as well. You want to support them? If you've taken care of your teeth, you're ready to just use those teeth to down some damn good beef because Hassle Cattle Company, of course, is the absolute best source for farm to table wagyu beef in the U.S. of A. They're a fourth generation cattle farm out of texas they ship straight to your door and they call their beef the blue collar wagyu why because the best damn wagyu that every man or woman can afford hassle cattle company offers some beef jerkies original and sweet and spicy also new york stripped smoked sausage beef bacon and franks with no fillers not only do we love the beef their the country loves their beef their hamburger one northeast the one, the Northeast Burger Jam at Food Network. They take the registered bulls and breed them with Angus cows, which gives you a very high prime product grown with zero antibiotics and hormones. So check out hasslecattlecompany.com. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L, cattlecompany.com. Use that magical code DNVR10 for 10% off your order. DNVR10 for 10% off. And if you want to maximize the savings, Make sure you get that order to $200 because guess what? You reach $200 with your order, you get free shipping. So the big magic numbers are $200 for free shipping. DNVR10 is your code for 10% off. Make sure you check that, that out. It's kryptonite for vegans. Save the cheap stuff for your in-laws and make sure that you're stocked with Hassle Cattle Company. Take advantage of free shipping at $200. You've got some room in your freezer. Put a little beef in there. You don't have to eat all right now. You can save it and you know, have some something waiting for you. And then you get home. Uh, one, you, you get home one night, or you got a weekend, and you're like, "What do I have to eat? I don't know." Oh, in my freezer, I've got a New York strip from Hassle Cattle Company. Boom, dinner on the grill, done. That's the kind of. That's why you want to get to two hundred dollars when you make that order from our friends over at Hassle Cattle Company. So take advantage. 
DMVR10 for 10% off, $200. Get free shipping on all that meat that you're going to want to enjoy now and throughout the summer. Check it out. HassleCattleCompany.com. Mm, sounds delicious. Next one coming in from LDJ, our friend Larry Dunn Jr. He says, hey, fellas, it's Thursday. Tampering is on Monday. Three rings is tomorrow. P.S. Great game for three rings. Love for you guys, ha- for you to have a Broncos all-time draft. And then we judge who has the best team. That'd be awesome. I love that idea, LDJ. We'll definitely fit that in there one of these episodes. But yeah, with the rollover money and the $33 million we have, what the heck are we waiting on? We have plenty of money. Let's get these deals done. Vaughn is my only question mark because I'm team Shaq. I'll give Vaughn the chance to restructure, but I'm super into bringing in Shaq. Anyways, yesterday I was asking, what do you guys think of this year's running back class versus last year? Not the entire class, just the running backs. I feel there's a lot more talent here than last year. Have fun with three rings tomorrow. And next week is free agency should be interesting. And guys, speaking of three rings and speaking of fun, Our guest tomorrow, the great Brandon Perna. Excited to announce that. And that just means it's going to get off the rails and be very, very fun. So Mace, speaking of the draft, what do you think this year's running back class compared to last year's running back class? It's better. This is a good running back class. There are running backs every year, obviously, but this, you know, what we, we touched on uh, some names earlier in the podcast, so I think you'll like that segment. So taking a look at the uh, at some of the running backs, talking about how it goes beyond Najee Harris, go, goes beyond Travis Etienne. Those are the two big names. But I mean, again, get to those two running backs from North Carolina. Didn't even touch on Chuba Hubbard out of yeah. Oklahoma State, who uh, I think is really going to uh, have a, a very good career in the NFL. There's a lot of talent uh, at running back, like you mentioned, LDJ. So it's pretty exciting. Now that being said. I'm not sure you liked our discussion when we were talking about the cap and the cash and all that, because just because you have that cap space does not mean you're going to spend all the way to that. I mean, again, cash is probably the big is, and that's not a number we're going to have in terms of a firm cash budget. That's not something that will be publicly out there. That is what's going to be more important this year in determining what the, who and what the Broncos bring in more so than the, than the cap number. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And Mace, of course, I like the two guys at the top of the draft. Of course, I love Najee Harris and ETN, but uh, man, I think Chuba Hubbard could be a, a baller as well. And he's a guy that you're not going to have to spend a first round pick on. So yeah. I agree. This year's draft is very good at running back. Next nice value there. Vash the man. Oh my God, my boys. Don't know if you read about this 14 blockbuster deal that this dude is talking about, but Broncos give up Chubb, the ninth overall pick, Drew Locke, Tim Patrick, and a few other picks, all for Russell Wilson. Hmm, seems pretty crazy. I get we want a quarterback that elite, but really, for reals, I don't know. Am I wrong? Peace, love, chicken grease, I'm out. P.S., where do I send any picks so y'all can see these deep-fried ice cream Sunday Pop-Tarts I made and my little Bronco for girl when she comes? Oh, man, we, we got to see all these picks, man. Uh, Vash the man, we're on Twitter uh, at Mace Denver. Uh, at Zach Stevens DNVR and of course at Ryan Koningsberg uh, or you can shoot us an email you can shoot me an email if you don't have Twitter Zach Z-A-C at the DNVR.com and I'll make to share make sure to share it with the fellas as well gotta see that uh, man v- Vash the man uh, I did hear about this trade 
and it was ludicrous. I mean, it was a four-team deal, and pretty much the Broncos got away with murder in this trade by only giving up the ninth uh, Bradley Chubb, Drew Locke, and Tim Patrick for Russell Wilson. I think all the other teams got hosed big time. Yeah, who had this trade? Because I'm actually, I had, this is the first time hearing about it. I literally just just heard about it, so I, I didn't even get to see it. But I, I know that it seemed pretty unrealistic for how good of a deal it was for the Broncos. I know the Jets were involved. Sam Darnold was involved um, in, in the deal. But again, I don't, I don't even remember where Sam Darnold went. Yeah, I, I, that's kind of the opposite of, of this trade that uh, someone tweeted at me su- suggesting this um, a, a, on Twitter. And I said that if the Broncos made this trade, they would be destroyed for it. Uh, this trade suggested to me would be, was Von Miller, Justin Simmons, and a day two pick to the Buffalo Bills for AJ Epinesa and Micah Hyde. And what did you think of that, Mace? <laughs> I said that they would be the Broncos be shredded for that deal, and rightfully so. That sounds awful. And I and 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 this guy also said, why don't the Broncos take a look at CJ Beathard or Nate Stanley as a backup quarterback? I'm like. Dude, you've got to have some connection to the University of Iowa because this is you're talking about Iowa guys. And, and you know, he was trying to tell me on CJ Beathard as a backup option. And, I, and I'm thinking, man, if the Broncos backup quarterback is CJ Beathard, then they weren't serious about getting the room as good as they wanted to be. And they weren't serious about competition. Yeah, you're exactly right. So Mace, I found that trade that, that, uh, that we're talking about here and it's from ESPN's bill Barnwell. And he says, he, here's the deal. The Seahawks get Sam Darnold from the jets, Bradley Chubb, the number nine overall pick from the Broncos. Oh, and a 2022 first round pick from the Broncos. So, so from the Broncos Seahawks get Chubb first round pick this year, first round pick next year. The, Bron- the Jets get Tim Patrick, a 2023 fourth-round pick from the Broncos, a 2023 third-round pick conditional from the Seahawks. So Broncos giving up Tim Patrick and a fourth-round pick. And the Bears get Drew Locke. That's it. The Bears just get Drew Locke. Uh, and so I guess technically in this – well, and then here's what the Broncos get, Mace. Broncos get Russell Wilson from the Seahawks, a 2022 third round pick from Seattle and a 2022 fourth round pick for the bears. So in all the Broncos are giving up two first round picks, Bradley Chubb uh, and drew lock and Tim Patrick for Russell Wilson. Personally, I love it. All right. I, I've got, I've got to see this rather than rather than hear it. So, what are the Broncos? So the Broncos in the end, they're they're giving up Drew Locke. I just texted it to you. Yep. Okay. I'm looking at it right now. I have the article in front of me. So in the end, uh, the Broncos get uh, Russell Wilson, a three and a four. And they give up. Uh, they give up two first round picks this year and next year. Yeah. Bradley Chubb. Yeah. Tim Patrick. Drew Locke and a fourth rounder. Yep. Sign me up, man. Yeah. I mean, what, what are you losing yeah. out on? You're losing out on two first round picks and you really hope that next year's first round pick, once you have Russell Wilson hitting the ground running this year is in the 20. So you're not giving up that valuable first round pick. You are giving up number nine, which is very valuable. Uh, and you're giving up Bradley Chubb. Who's very valuable. Tim Patrick is a great player, but Mace, he he's not going yeah. to be on the team next year after this right. year, probably. And obviously drew lock uh, in this trade, the bears are giving up a fourth round pick for him or yeah, a fourth round pick for him. 
Yeah, we all like Tim Patrick, and I think there's been a lot of praise uh, on this podcast and some other uh, shows I know that people listen to. You go to Broncos Country United on KOA, praising Tim Patrick. I think uh, we all they were ahead of the curve on it, but uh, I think we fell in line pretty quickly watching Tim Patrick last year. But given what the Broncos have at wide receiver, Tim Patrick is probably more valuable as a trade chip right now than to the team based on having Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, et cetera. Um, One thing I will, I'll say about this is as I'm right now looking at Bill Barnwell's piece here, he, he writes this Denver exec, John Elway's predilection for tall quarterbacks is old hat by now, but you have to think he'd be willing to make an exception for Wilson. (laughs) Well, yeah, I wish he'd made that exception nine years ago. Yes, I mean, I, and I certainly hope he would accept Russell Wilson yeah. now. He had Peyton's seal of approval. I mean, because mm. Russell Wilson had gone to Peyton's QB camp, the, yep. the, the Manning QB school. <laughs> so Peyton liked Russell Wilson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've. Uh, oh, you... my gosh. Oh. The one thing to think about, though, Zach, is how the 2015 season would have been different if Russell Wilson, had, he first of all, he wouldn't have come in until then. But. What happens? Russell Wilson probably keeps the job and Peyton Manning probably doesn't go back out there in the playoffs. Mm, Think man. about that for a moment. Yeah, that's wild. That is that, wild. Is, that is crazy to think because I because Wilson's just better than Brock Osweiler. And I don't think he would have been benched in week 17. Yeah. It's actually actually it's possible, Zach, that week 17 might not have meant anything. That the right. Broncos might have already had it clinched because maybe they don't lose to the Raiders. Maybe right. they don't lose to the Steelers. I mean, boy, and that's, ooh, man, you changed an awful lot there. Yeah. If Russell Wilson's a Bronco. Yes, you certainly do. But then, you ju- but then you just hope that they would have been smart enough to re-sign him and, uh, and, and pay the money. I mean, I mean I, I, the kind of the, the downside of that is what if they had things had gone like they did with Osweiler and they didn't bring him back and someone gave more money. Oh my gosh. Oh, I don't even want to right. think about that. Exactly. And then you let Russell Wilson walk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they, there would have been some gymnastics involved. Cause I think what would have happened in that case, Zach is uh, they probably, if Russell Wilson had been the quarterback, they probably would have tagged him if they didn't have a deal done. Yeah. And then you're probably saying goodbye to some other, some other components of that defense immediately. Right. Yep. Yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Next one coming in from Dan Burke. Hey guys, I remember y'all debating whether the Broncos had the best O-line in the division. And I think Mace was torn between the Broncos and the chiefs. Are you ready to go there now, Mace? I mean, uh, the chiefs might be, or the chiefs Niang might be good if he can stay healthy, but you have to hand it to the Broncos without any debate. Right. Uh, I, you probably liked the first part of this podcast and yeah. uh, what we were saying. I mean, I think, uh, I think we're, we're both, uh, we're both eating what you're throwing down right now. I think we're, we're right there. It's yep. the best O-line in the division. Yep. Without a doubt. Next one from the other ride, my boys, it's been more than 10 podcast episodes since my last comment. So I thought I'd chime in with all of the releases along the AFC West foes offensive line in recent days, including Kansas city's this morning do the Denver Broncos now find themselves with the most stable and dare I say best offensive line in the division. If right tackle gets sorted out, the orange and blue could be best in the West at that spot for the first time in a long time. Have a terrific Thursday preparing for the massive snowstorm DNV army salute well just like mace said i think you enjoyed the first segment you know what when we see comments like this i mean i'll admit it makes it makes us feel good because especially at this time of year 
you sometimes we, we, we hop on like, what are we talking about today? Right. When I see comments like this, I know we chose wisely. Yeah. When we sell it on the offensive line, that's yeah. because it, so that is, that's the affirmation I personally needed to get, to get me through the day. So, so thank you other Ryan Dan Burke for uh, kind of telling, for telling us that we probably chose wisely in talking about the O-lines and, and why yes. the Broncos are the best in the West. I, I like, I like saying that they're the best in the West. Let's do it. Yes, they I'm are excited. Next one from some people call me the space cowboy, which one free agent would you guys each like to see an orange and blue next season? Uh, if we're in a dream world, Shaq. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, if it's like that, Shaq is my number one. It's not just the player he is. It's the person he is. Um, it's how much Colorado means to him. Still calls Highlands Ranch home. Mm-hmm. Is, um, is here right now. He's going to yeah. be here for this snowstorm. Yeah, he's settled mm-hmm. in. I mean, this. Yeah, he, he's a he's a he's a Colorado guy, and yep. um, yeah, I, I'd love that. I mean, do I think it'll happen? No. Um, you get beyond that, and uh, if it's a free agent quarterback uh, that the Broncos bring in for competition and not somebody via trade. I'd want Winston. Mm-hmm. I'd want Jameis. I'd want Jameis Winston just to kind of, to see if he can pull off the Ryan Tannehill transformation. Yeah. Yeah. That's certainly the, the really the only quarterback that I would be really excited about through right. free agency. Now Minshew can get me excited through a me trade. Uh, of course, there's some other much more high profile guys, uh, the draft as well. Um, Fitz would be fun. Yeah, but he's only a brick. But he's only a bridge. Um, exactly. Now that being said, I do expect that uh, by the time we get to Monday, that the Saints and Jameis Winston will have figured out a contract and they'll keep him in New Orleans. But boy, I would think so. Why isn't know. Drew Brees retired yet? I'll tell you what. That's if, interesting. If John Elway still had final say, I think we'd be talking about an audacious play for Drew Brees to see if you could ring one more year out of him. Yeah, I think so too. I really do. I really do. Heck, maybe we get to that point with George Payton where Drew says, yeah, I want to play. And the saints say something like, no, we're playing for life without you. Well, you remember what got the Vikings to uh, one of the two best seasons that they had while George Payton was there. It was when they signed. Yes, Brett Favre at the end of his career. Now, that being said, I don't think Drew Brees has as much left in the tank as Brett Favre did. I think uh, Brees, I mean, we could see the limitations by the end by the end of the year and by the playoffs in terms of the ability to get the ball down the field. I mean, the best pass that New Orleans had in the playoffs was thrown by... Jameis Winston. Exactly! <laughs> Because the there only was no pass, vertical right? threat. Right. Yeah. There was no vertical threat anymore from Drew Brees. Um, yeah. Man, so, I'd be yeah. up for the Drew Brees, though, even though the, the arm's not there. I'd be oh, so up it, for it. It would be a hell of a story. Yeah. Um, and of course, to have the second Jack Elway mentioned on this podcast, uh, the la- before Jack Elway died in 01, and he worked in the Broncos uh, scouting department. And one of the last things he did before he passed away was study and break down Drew Brees. Jack Elway was a huge Drew Brees fan and thought that there was greatness written all over him and wrote a glowing scouting report internally on Brees. Um, 
And actually, Jack and John Elway watched some Drew Brees film together uh, as John had retired a couple of years ago from earlier from playing. And that's why if Brees were ever available, it's something that was always kind of in the back of my mind that for a lot of reasons that John Elway would want to bring Drew Brees to Denver. Now, he's, you know, he doesn't have final say, but he's still the president of football operations. And like we mentioned with George Payton, there was that success with the, the old quarterback for one last run. So if Brees were available and wanted to play, I still can't rule it out. Yeah. Oh, I definitely can't rule it out. Next one from Jazzy Bronco. Thanks guys for the great conversation yesterday around Phil. I agree that Elway had met, had messed things up. I think if I were George Payton, I can go ahead and put the original round tender on Phil. At this point, I almost think market value is going to be a better price than he would, than he would give us. Then I would absolutely be prepared to match anything reasonable, like 5 million or under. If he goes over, what are you guys willing to pay for that spot in the draft thoughts? Well, at that point, you have Melvin Gordon, so you're not in a position where you have to reach uh, because Melvin's very, very, very likely going to be your, your your number one running back this year unless you go first round. But I think you're you're looking at day two pick for a running back. Yeah, and uh, so I think second round might be the sweet spot there given uh, the talent that's available and the, and the value. Uh, maybe round three, but I think round two might be the perfect spot for running back. And this is why you want to go into the draft with maximum flexibility to have a lot of things taken care of. Don't, don't forget something else with a Melvin Gordon. Of course, he's got that $4.75 million guaranteed, uh, but there's also a bonus for reporting for camp of $2 million. So you might have to, if you decide, okay, we're bringing somebody else, you might have to eat 4.75 million, but you would save $2 million because you wouldn't have to pay out that bonus. And, and so there would be some cap savings to moving on from Melvin Gordon if they did it before the start of camp. Now, I, that said, I think it's more likely they would work out a trade to get out from, uh, the, entire, from the entire contract, except for the prorated portion of the bonus. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. And last one, Mace, coming in here from Pig, Pig Tosser 66. Guys, teams that aren't in cap hell have a huge opportunity to jump right into the playoff mix. The quality players that are getting released is surely going to hurt some of the better teams and will no doubt knock them down a peg or two. 2021 is right for the picking, fellas, for teams with cap space. I know one of them. I think Pig Tosser 66 is referring to the Broncos and Pig Tosser 66. I agree with where you're coming from and semi what you're saying. Broncos have to get better quarterback play. If the Broncos get good quarterback play, Mace, I'm talking top 15. I mean, j- just, just that, then they can absolutely be a playoff team this year. That's a massive if, you know, yeah. team teams uh, spend uh, years and decades trying to just even find that. Uh, and the Broncos were nowhere close to that last year. So I totally agree with you if they get good quarterback play. And don't forget with those with with 14 teams in the playoffs now, the threshold is lower. I what we saw with the Bears last year getting in at eight and eight. Uh, I think we're going to see more eight and eight teams make the playoffs. So there's a potential that you don't have to have that much of a leap to be in the postseason, even as the number seven seed in the AFC. Now, um, it depends how other factors develop, how other teams in other divisions do as well, what the interconference record is uh, for all teams playing five interconference games and uh, to determine whether eight and eight is going to be good enough or not. But yeah, there's a gleam, but it's also possible that 
the Broncos could be a playoff team, Zach, because of a lot of other factors. And yet they may say, all right, uh, Drew Locke uh, is fine, but he's not the guy long-term. Like, look at Chicago, again, Chicago. They get to the playoffs, uh, but one of the conclusions is Mitchell Trubisky is not the guy. And so we could be there. It's possible we could be having a discussion where the Broncos are a playoff team and are very much in the quarterback market in 22. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. And that could happen with a uh, Fitzpatrick. Maybe man, would that be mm. fun? Wouldn't it? <laughs> you know what? I think of things that would actually be cool stories. If Fitzpatrick were a Bronco and they got to the playoffs and he was a starter, that would be a really cool story because that's the one thing he's missing. He's played forever. It's bounced around the league. The, you know, the epitome of the journeyman quarterback. He came close with the jets back in 2015 Picked a bad day to have a bad day, as John Fox said, uh, said of another, of another playoff game. And uh, it'd be cool. That'd be a nice way for him to kind of uh, come to an end of his career if he were a playoff quarterback for the first time. I'd love to see that. Yeah. Wherever. I, and that's another guy I root for wherever he goes. But I'd, wherever Ryan Fitzpatrick lands, it'd be really cool if he actually got a chance to start in the playoffs. It would be very cool. And may something else that I would love to see is people continuing their education over at MSU Denver Online. MSU Denver Online is the new urban online university with learning outcomes equivalent to face-to-face. That's unheard of at other universities, but MSU Denver Online delivers and has mastered that. They have great gen eds taught by real people, great completion options, full programs, and the virtual services to keep you healthy and happy on your way to graduate. They are the preeminent online university in the Rocky Mountain region. They have on-campus or online. It's the same to them. Their students do just as well in their online courses as they do in person, which means you can get the same degree while continuing to live your life. So make sure to check out everything they have to offer over at MSU Denver Online. And Mace, that'll do it for us today. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I mean it when I say it. I really, really appreciate each and every one of you for listening with us, leaving your comments, the silly things. Things, the great questions you guys have. We love it. And tomorrow, Mace, we're going live for the Three Ring Circus at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. Please tune in on YouTube. We'd love it if you said hello in the comment section. But for Andrew Mason, I'm Zach Stevens. We'll talk to you tomorrow. I'll take you back one last